Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. Have you ever gotten anything and uh, it had to be assembled? Like on the box, some assembly required? Have you ever gotten any, Like I'm sure that's parents' worst nightmare. Like, grandma, grandpa gets them a toy, you read it, some assembly required, and it is a lot of assembly. Maybe it's a piece of furniture designed in Sweden that has 10 million pieces, and uh, maybe it's a set of Lego, a new barbecue that you get, and it is some assembly required. In the box, you have what? All the pieces of what you have, and then there is also this piece of paper or book booklet of papers, and, uh, and this booklet of papers is the assembly instructions. Now, people see the role of assembly instructions differently. Some people see it differently, right? I think maybe this, how people see the assembly instructions have actually caused marriage disputes, roommate disputes working together of like, I, I really think actually part of pre-marriage counseling should be putting an Ikea dresser together, right? If you can communicate through that, you're ready to get married. But people see the role of assembly instructions uh, differently, right? Maybe a useless piece of paper, like, I don't need this. I'll figure this out on my own. I got this. Maybe you see it as 911 papers. Like, I'll use them, I'll use the instructions when I need them. But until then, I got it, I got it. Maybe instructions are to be fought with. Like, you see it and they're like, why are they telling me to put a peg here? Why didn't they just choose to do it this way? It would have been so much easier if they would have just done this and done this and just done it this way. It would have been so much better. Or maybe you see the assembly instructions as, well, instructions of how to assemble and a step-by-step goal. Now, how you view the role of instructions of how you put together furniture um, really isn't that important, right? Like, uh, sure, you have a couple pieces laying around, but they included extra pieces, right? Right? (laughs) They think they included them? But the role of instructions, I would say, is even more important when building a house, right? Like, if you have a build, a build, if you're building a house and your contractor um, views the role of how they view the role of blueprints, I would say is important, right? I don't want him just to figure it out. I don't want him to just go back to the blueprints when it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, here we go. I don't want him to randomly change things or fight with them. I want him to follow the blueprints because that's my house. It's structural. For many people, your house is your biggest investment. I don't want that thing falling down on me. Like, I want it done right. So that's important. Furniture, probably somewhat important if you're putting any weight on it. But more important than your view of instructions for how you assemble furniture, a contractor's philosophy on building a house and blueprints, more important than that is what we're talking about today. Because it determines the type of life you are building and will live. How you will live and what you build. It's this question, how you view this question. Who is Jesus to you in your life and how do you see Jesus? 
Who is Jesus to you, and how do you see Jesus? Some people maybe the answer might be, um, I don't need Jesus. Like, I got this. I'll figure this out on my own. Maybe it's 911 Jesus. Like, when I'm in trouble or in a crisis, then I will call Jesus, and I need you, God, I need you. But then as soon as the crisis is gone, hang up the phone, and then you don't talk until the next crisis. Maybe it's advisor Jesus. When Jesus says something in his word, you, you're like, that's nice, I'll take it under consideration. Like, I'll take it under consideration. If it lines up with my plans, with my time schedule, with what, where I'm going, I'll take it. If it doesn't, I, I'll, I'll think about that suggestion, a.k.a. Um, no, right? Like, it, when you treat Jesus like advisor Jesus, it's sort of like Yoda Jesus, right? Like from Star Wars, he's like, you're, you treat him like a spiritual advisor, but, but, or a spiritual guide, but ultimately the decision lies with you. Maybe buffet Jesus. Like, if it lines up with what my truth is, then I'll take it. Then I'll eat it. Because, ooh, that feels nice to me now, but, ooh, I don't like that. That's, ooh, I don't want peas. I don't want that. Right? Is you pick and choose. Or this one. That Jesus is Lord of my life. That Jesus is Lord in my life. And what is that? That Jesus, he has the first and last word in your life. That he is the ultimate authority in your life. Living, uh, living doing what he wants, how he wants, and when he wants. See, this is actually what we are called to as Christians. As we profess that we follow Jesus, that is what we are called to do, is to have Jesus as Lord of our life. So today, the title of my message is Beauty of the Lordship of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 says this, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, uh, of, the, of God the Father. So there is no other name greater than the name of Jesus. That, that's what we pray in the name of Jesus. There is no name greater than the name of Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus' lordship, him being ruler over all, is universal. It, it, he is the ruler over all. But it will not be recognized, his lordship will not be recognized universally until Jesus comes again. So the fact is, he is lord. Uni he is lord over all, but even if it's not universally recognized that he is lord. Revelation says Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords. He is Lord, but the question is, is he Lord in your life? Will you allow Jesus to be Lord in your life? Or is Jesus, I don't need you, 911 Jesus, advisor Jesus, buffet Jesus, or is he Lord of your life? Part of the foundation of our faith is having Jesus as Lord of our life. Have you ever been baking and you realize, like, I missed a serious ingredient? 
Like you're going through the process and you just about get to the end and you're like, just how you bake? No, but I'm just using an example from Natalie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but have you ever been baking and you, you forget a key ingredient, right? Like uh, you, you forget you're making sugar cookies and you forget to put sugar in the cookies. It's in the name. The whole point of sugar cookies is for sugar, you know, to truly live life well and enjoy the richness, the fullness of the life God has provided, the key ingredient is Jesus as Lord. Saying I'm a follower of Jesus, but Jesus not Lord of your life, is like baking sugar cookies, but leaving out the sugar. You're missing the whole point, the whole meaning of it. You know, Lord, in the Greek, the word Lord is translated directly, it would be, it could be Lord or Master. It's Master. So Jesus as Lord of my life means He is my Master. What He says is the foundation of my life and what I build my life on. Jesus is the first word and the end word. Sometimes you want to get a butt in, but His word is the final. Right, Jesus, uh, he sets our priorities and goals for our life when he is Lord. He sets the timeline of how he's going to do things. It's not my life. As Christians, we believe this. My life is not my own. Whoa. My life is not my own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have heard from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, now you and I are God's. We are God's. But will we allow him to be Lord in our life? Because a life surrendered to the lordship of Jesus is a life of fulfillment. It's a life of abundance. It's a life of peace. It's a life of joy. It's a life of purpose. It's a life of divine direction. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says very clearly that he is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. Is Jesus your only way or an option? Is he the truth uh, or a truth? Is, he, is your life found on him? Or, or elsewhere. See, when Jesus is Lord of your life, Jesus is your only way. The only truth is found in Jesus. And, and the life is lived out of your life in Christ, with him, with Jesus. When we follow him, that sets our priorities. How we do life. How we treat others. Our goals are all set by the Lord Jesus, who is master. What Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, is counterculture. 
It's against what culture is saying right now, isn't it? It says, your truth. Your truth. But Jesus says, no, I am the truth. They're not a sliding scale. I am the truth. There might be experiences that you've experienced, but there is the truth. His name is Jesus. You know, what, uh, culture also says, do what makes you feel happy. What, what feels good in the moment. But those moments will pass. Probably, it probably feel really good in that moment. But the moments will pass. Jesus says counterculture, life is in me. Life is in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Culture also says, like, find your path. Like, find your path. But Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. It's, it's counterculture. You know, everybody has a Lord in their life, whether they recognize it or not. Whatever your master is sets your priorities, your decisions, how, how your relationships, how you do life is set by those. Some, some of those masters could be, it could be like pleasure, always seeking what feels good. What, uh, it sounds good, but what about when that feeling stops? Well, then you find something more that feels good. Then you find something more that feels good, and you're always never content, always looking, right? Um, and also, not everything that's good for you in life feels good, Right? Not everything that is pleasurable, like sometimes there's challenges in life that you need to go through, maybe some opposition that you need to go through or stick through that is good for you in life. But if, you're, if pleasure is your master, consistency is not in your life. You know, material might be another master. Acquiring more stuff, getting that thing could be a master a driver of your life. Maybe debt could be a master in your life. Proverbs is very clearly that, that the borrower is a, sla- is a slave to the lender, is, a, is, is enslaved to the lender. The debt is the master. And debt, does not ch- it, it can set choices that you don't want to do certain things, but debt sets it. You know, it could be money. Uh, often a misquoted scripture is that the that money is the root of all evil. But the actual scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil. So if people's master is money, that will change how they treat others. It sets their integrity. It sets how they do life. Maybe approval of others. Seeking the approval of others, getting things to like impress the, the Joneses, right? You, you get something to impress them. Or maybe it's not having that crucial conversation which is necessary in healthy relationships. You want approval of people for people to like you, but you're afraid to have that hard conversation because the approval is a master in your life. There could be many different things that are Lord other than Jesus. But a man who you could say had everything, a man who had everything on that you could have on earth he had power, riches, influence. Um, he had uh, great achievements, success, was King Solomon. You could say he had everything. 
He was the widest, wisest man, richest man. He, they stopped, during his reign, they stopped counting silver because there was so much of it. They said, let's just focus on the gold. We can't count all this silver. There's so much. He was so wealthy. His kingdom was so abundant. The rulers came from around the world to see how he ran his kingdom. So he had admiration from his peers. Wow, look how well you are doing. He had success in that. They saw how he had. He had 700 wives, 300 cocky. That's just crazy. Um, He had everything that money could buy. Now, Solomon made choices and went away from the Lord. His heart and his actions went from God. At the end of his life, he came back to God. And, And he wrote in the end of his life, in Ecclesiastes, he wrote, everything is vanity, vanity, vanity. What is the point? What is the point? What is the point? But then he concludes with what is the point of all this? In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, he says this. He says, let us hear the conclusion of this whole matter. So this is a man who's lived life, who's experienced what would be like Instagrammable the dream, right? Like it is like every day is an Instagram highlight. Like he's living the life. He's like taking pictures of his gold pile and he's like, don't even count the silver, right? In the description, right? Like he is living life. You would say, man, this man's so successful. You'd be like, wow, he's got everything. And this is his, his conclusion. This is his meaning for life. Let us hear the conclusion of this whole matter, matter being life. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. You could say this is man's purpose. Solomon concluded having everything Fear God and keep his commandments. In other words, follow him. Now, fear here doesn't mean tremble. Like, you're not, you're not supposed to have perpetual knee quaking into God. Fear of God means to live in awe. To live in awe. Awe of God's love, his goodness, his creativity, his creation, his ways, his righteousness. To live in awe. So Solomon, who had everything, said in life, he said, how to live? Live in awe of God and follow him. Living life well is to truly follow Jesus in every area of life and be continually in awe of him. That's what Solomon says. And I think there are never things that you, like, were like, I ran out of things to be in awe of God. Because the more you do life with him, the more you walk with him, the more he reveals his depths to you. The more he shows his ways, the more he shows his character. And you're like, wow, wow, wow. And you don't run out of things to be in awe of. In Matthew, Jesus said this, Matthew 11, verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me. All who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus invites us to come to him with our heaviness of life, 
with burdens we carry and to be joined to him. When Jesus is saying yoke, he's not talking about like broken yoke, right? He's talking about back in the day when they would plow a field, they would hook two oxen up together and they would be yoked together around their neck. There would be a yoke around one and another. They'd be yoked together. And what the audience would know when Jesus is saying this, they would know is that oftentimes what you do is you put an experienced ox with one who's like young and like, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And they would go with the more experienced one and the more experienced ox would walk and that other ox would then, because you're yoked, you're attached, would follow along. And that unexperienced yoke would then learn the ways of the ox who knew what he was doing, who was experienced, and would learn how to do life or plow the field. And so what Jesus is saying in that same way, is attach your life to me, and I will teach you. As, as I walk, when you yoke your life to me, you will walk with me. You will learn from me. You will learn how I do life, how I've designed life, how I operate, how I am to do things. When, you, when, when Jesus is Lord of your life, that is what you're doing. You're yoking, you're attaching your life to Jesus. Because when you're yoked there, that like, hi, I'm an ox, like the unexperienced one, he can't just do whatever he wants. He's going the way of the experienced ox because he is yoked. He is attached. Same thing is when you make Jesus Lord of your life, you are then submitting not my will, but your will. My will is gone because I am now attached to Jesus as Lord. So when he moves, I'm moving. When he's turning, I'm turning. When he stops, I'm stopping. When he's picking up speed, I'm picking up speed. When we make Jesus Lord of, his, of our life, we allow him to lead. And there's an ease. Jesus said there's an ease. His, his, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. That there is an ease when you attach your life to Jesus. It's not something strenuous, but there's an ease because he's taking on the burden. He's taking on the weight. He's taking on which way should you go. You don't need to know. that. You just can follow Jesus. How's this going to work out? You're just yoked with Jesus. He's leading you. I'm just following. I'm just following the Lord. When Jesus is Lord of your life, I believe there's freedom that you can only experience through him. You'll experience a new depth of freedom because it's, I'm just following Jesus. He knows it. He knows it all. I'm just following him. One of my favorite scriptures is Matthew 6.33. And it says this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, when you follow Jesus, when you seek after his ways, his ways of being right, his righteousness as Lord of your life, Everything else is added unto you. Everything that you need. He'll provide what you need. Direction, he'll guide you. You need uh, wisdom, he'll provide supernatural wisdom. Provision, he will provide that provision. Relationship, he's going to provide that. Peace, he's going to provide that. You know, the best way, circling back to that relationship thing, the best way to find a spouse is follow Jesus. Because he will add those things unto you. Hey, he said it's good, not good for you to be alone, so follow Jesus. And he's going to add it to you. 
Whatever you need, when you follow him, he'll provide. But it's not only what you need. But he'll actually give you the God-given desires and dreams he's placed in your heart. Psalms 37, 4 says this. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as you delight yourself in the Lord and Jesus as Lord, that God will then bring things that he has placed in your heart, desires he's given into your heart as you delight yourself in the Lord. Following Jesus as Lord, final authority in life, you will walk in the desires that he's placed for you. Because, well, God's placed them there. He's got good plans for you. Who knows the better way to walk in those plans than Jesus? I might as well hook my life up to Jesus, him as Lord, and he'll lead me. Instead of me trying to figure it out, like smacking into walls, not realizing, oh, that's, there's a door there, walking around in darkness. Why not just follow him? He's like, step one. All right, thanks. I got that. Step two. Okay, I got that. And he'll lead you into what you have. Because a life surrendered to the lordship of Jesus is a life of fulfillment, abundance, peace, joy, purpose, it is divine direction. I think a great picture of Jesus being Lord and what that looks like, some of the benefits is Psalms 23. And you can read that later. We'll just not read it for sake of time. So I'm giving homework today. Apparently I'm on something today. But homework. But you know, in Proverbs 3, we see a practical, practical steps that we can apply today to allow Jesus as Lord of our life, to yoke ourselves with Jesus. Now, Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with the wealth with the first fruits of all your crop. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord discipline, disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. So the first thing in verse 5 that I see is to trust in the Lord. Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So we need to trust in God and his word. How do you build trust? Another word for that, faith. How do you do that? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So as you get more into God's word, faith arises in you. It builds trust in you. You trust, then you can trust God with my family with my finances, with my career, with my schooling, with that next step that I'm not sure about, you can trust him. As you get into his word, faith arises and you trust him. And instead of putting weight on your own understanding what, or what I've experienced, you put weight, your trust in him and what he says in his word. You make what God's word says superior to what, what maybe you've experienced or what you think. See, like right now, you're sitting in a chair. You're sitting in a chair. Maybe some people at home are like on a treadmill. Good for you. But for this analogy, I'm going to think everybody's in a chair. But you're sitting on a chair. What are you doing? Right now, you're, you're putting your weight on the chair. You're putting the weight on the chair. You're not leaning on your own. 
you're putting the weight in your chair. And, and, and the, it really is that you can trust the chair, right? You're sitting there, and it's a place of relaxing, right? You stand all day. What do you want to do? You want to sit because there's a place of rest when you're not carrying all the weight. The same thing when you trust in the Lord and not leaning on what I understand, what I know, there's a place of rest from that. Just as sitting in a chair is a bit more restful than standing all day on concrete, same thing is when you put your trust, the weight of your trust on God instead of your own understanding, there's a rest that comes from that. Second thing I see is submit everything to God. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Now, the Hebrew word for all means all. It's, it, it just simply means all. Everything. In everything you do, submit it to him. Practically, what does that mean? In prayer, go to God. Or what has God said about this in his word? Has he already spoken about it in his word or in prayer? Go to him. What way should I go? Submit it to him in prayer. How should I raise my kids? Go into the Word. Find out. Um, For your career, submit that to Him. For finances, submit that to Him. For your physical body, submit that to Him. Uh, Pray like, Lord, what would you have me do? Um, and, And know what? Then Holy Spirit, He will direct you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Jesus said it is actually to your benefit that I go. Why? Because He's sending the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you and He will guide you into all truth. He will also lead you in his word, through his word. I, I, like Situations have come up where I've been reading the bi- uh, scripture during the morning, and then it's like that afternoon, I need that scripture. Holy Spirit will bring a scripture up, and it's like, oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't punch this person. Okay, I'm going to walk in love. But he'll bring things to your mind. Submit also means this. It means that as God reveals things to you, because he's continually revealing things to you, is that as he reveals some ways for you that, hey, this isn't my way, or I have a better way of doing it, even if you've been doing it for years, even if it's been going like this way, it's like, my, I did this, my dad did this, my, my great-granddad did this. But if God reveals it to you, submitting means, okay, I'm going to let that go and follow you. Submitting. I think sometimes we can get into a spot where we, like, need a miracle, where it's like, God, I just need a miracle, but it's because we haven't submitted it first to God. We've gotten to a place where it's like, oh, um, I'm in a spot. God, I need you. And I'm thankful that God is faithful in the midst of stupidity. I'm so thankful. But I think when we submit to him, third thing I see is be humble. Verse 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Be humble. Never get to the point where it's like, I've made it. I've made it. I got it all together. No, what I'm doing, I'm doing by the grace of God. That God is working through me. That God is teaching me. I'm continually looking, what does God have for me? And then it says, and run from evil. Run from evil. Don't play with evil. Don't play with fire. Don't be like, oh, look how cool it looks. No, shun evil. Run from evil. Go away from it. Verse 8 says, hey, there'll be some benefits. There'll be health um, and nourishment to your bones. 
Check, check. That's good. How many people need some help? That's good. Verse 9 and 10 says this. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. Then your barn will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, you and I, we don't, maybe you have a barn. Maybe you live on acreage. You got a barn. But um, we don't have barns, but we have bank accounts. We don't have crops, but we have jobs. And so what it's talking about here is returning tithes to God and giving offerings. God instructs in his word that tithe is 10%. That's the actual word, to bring that to his church, uh, to be generous then above that. And in doing so, you are making him Lord of your life in that area, of your finances. Uh, honestly, I would say the, this is the area most people have trouble with. They're like, Jesus, you can have it all, but not this area. Not this area. I'm not sure I trust you with this area. But, you know, you probably you work, what, 40 hours a week, probably more. Maybe you, like me, you work more than 40 hours a week. That's at least 160 hours a month. And you're trading 160 hours a month for a paycheck, money. You're trading your life. And by saying, God, I'm partnering with you. I'm obeying you. You're giving God. You're allowing God to be Lord over the 160 hours in your life and Lord over your finances. Jesus as Lord of your life and including him in that area. I, you know, God isn't, he's not looking for us just to like tip him here and there. He's looking for obedience and his word as lordship. He's not looking for a good job sport. He's looking for obedience. And the benefit of this is that your barns or bank account will be full, provision and abundance, when we're obedient to his lordship, he takes care of us. He's good. He's faithful. The fifth thing is stay teachable. Verse 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resist his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. See, God will bring his correction through his word, through his spirit. And correction isn't bad. It actually isn't bad. Like, when you were driving, if you were the one driving here in a car, you made corrections on your way here. It's called turning the steering wheel. Maybe it doesn't work that way in Saskatchewan, but, like, when you are in Alberta, um, you make corrections. You turn the steering wheel because then that way you get to where you need to go. God corrects us so that we can go where we need to go, where his plans, his purposes are, so that you're not going to end up in a ditch, hit a tree, hit a light post, um, but that he's going to bring correction. So you're going, heading somewhere, he's bringing correction so you can make that turn, that you can head where he has for you, so that you can go to the higher level. Can I ask you this question again? Can I ask you this question again? Who is Jesus to you? Is it Jesus? You're not needed. Is it 911 Jesus? Advisor Jesus slash Yoda Jesus is a spiritual advisor. Is it buffet Jesus? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Or is Jesus Lord of my life? Is he Lord of your life? Can I encourage you? A life surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus is a life of fulfillment, a life of abundance, a life of peace. 
life full of joy, of purpose and divine direction. Because he loves you. He's got good plans for you. Like Jesus said, he's the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. The only life is found in him. Jesus is Lord. It's a good place to be. Life yoked to him. What are you doing? I'm just following the way. I'm just following the truth. I'm following the life. What are you going to do here? I'm just following the way. I'm just following the truth. I'm just following the life. But that door closed. What are you going to do? I'm just going to follow the way. I'm just following the truth. I'm following the life. Jesus is Lord. Why don't we just take a moment right now? You can, with the Lord, just take a moment. Maybe it's for you. Close your eyes. Maybe just stare straight ahead. But just take this moment to quiet ourselves. Allow God to speak. Some areas that we can surrender. Maybe there's some areas that we need to course correct a bit. To allow him to be Lord in our life. spoken to our hearts that we need to submit to you that maybe we've been holding back from you maybe there's some course corrections God we submit that to you Jesus you are Lord of our life you are Lord we love you we thank you for your peace your abundance your provision, your direction, your freedom, your healing that comes as we live a life surrendered to your Lordship. Your word has the final authority. Thank you that you've got good plans. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support and partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. Know God is for you. We love you and have a great week.